one 9646 is the number to get a hold of Savan and the rest of the crew. The firm, anytime email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Something you can check out over the next few minutes as we chat, and we'll get to it as well. The injury calculator, find out exactly what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be, injurycalculator.ca. We always start with some stories, some uh, some stuff, some week that was. Savan, how's it going, pal? Very, very busy, Good. John. Glad to be here. Uh, so, of course, you know, winter is upon us, and we have uh, interesting weather, to say the least. Ugh. Freezing, freezing temperatures, but also a lot of snowfalls, and with that, unfortunately, a lot of car accidents. So let me start off with uh, a, a person who contacted us from, from Ottawa, um, and this is interesting. This person was actually in an accident uh, back uh, in January of 2016. Now, the two-year statute of limitations Get that close. we always talk about is almost up, yeah. okay? So we're going to have to help this person fairly quickly. Uh, it was January 21st, 2016. Uh, now, this person uh, was in that car accident. It wasn't his fault. He fractured uh, his foot, chipped his ankle. His car was written off. So you're talking about a fairly severe accident. Uh, th- there was discussion about whether he should have surgery or not. Uh, he's 32 years old, working as an equipment operator and a laborer, making about 50 grand a year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't started any claims uh, yet, uh, doesn't know what the process is, has no lawyer, no paralegal, no one who's helping him. Very he's getting very con- yeah. He's getting about $660 uh, every two weeks, so about thirteen twenty monthly. Uh, he has been seeing doctors through the insurance company. So the insurance company has been sending him to doctors, hasn't heard anything from them uh, for a while, not sure if he's going to get cut off. And he's contacting us, of course, after listening to the show to figure out what are my options, what are my rights. Okay, so first of all, we can help this individual. Clearly, he hasn't been able to go back to work after two years to a physical job. This is a potentially huge claim. And this person who has decided not to hire anyone for almost two years is now at risk of potentially not being able to recover compensation that could easily be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, I don't have all the information I need at this point to assess the claim, but I can tell you, if you're in that situation or you know someone in that situation, please tell them, do not let them just flail in the wind. I mean, this is this is like, you know, having a medical issue that's getting worse and worse by the day and just not going to any doctors and just assuming it's just going to go away. Well, here's the analysis here. So first of all, if you're in a car accident and it's not your fault, right, somebody else is responsible and you've suffered significant injuries, first of all, you are going to be entitled to accident benefits through your insurance company. And by the way, that they're called no-fault benefits. It doesn't matter if you're at fault or not. So off the bat, you're entitled to accident benefits. And those usually cover medical rehabilitation expenses if you need physio, chiropractic, etc. If you can't work, after the first week of being off work, you're going to be entitled to income replacement benefits. Usually it's $400 a week, again, from your insurance company. Now, if you are uh, severely injured, and by the way, that doesn't mean that you fractured something or tore something. It right. just means that, uh, you know, after a few months, a year or so, you're not able to do your job the way you used to do it before. Uh, you're having a lot of difficulty with other tasks of daily living. And if someone else was responsible for that accident, then you are potentially entitled to get other types of damages, which could be a lot more significant than what you can get from your own insurance company for accident benefits. Now, this individual here from Ottawa who contacted us, remember, he hasn't worked for two years now. He's a laborer. He was making 50 grand a year. He's get, his income is essentially, his income loss is crystallizing by the day. Yeah. Who knows when he's going to go back to work? 
So he's entitled to advance a claim against the insurance company, well, against the individual who caused the accident, and that person's insurance company would respond here. What if he needs other types of treatments above and beyond what his own insurance company is paying him? He's going to be entitled to ask for those kinds of damages, for that kind of compensation from the other insurance company. So you are talking about, not to mention, by the way, pain and suffering, okay? That also comes into the mix. So, you know, if you're in that situation, you've been in an accident, you know someone who's been in an accident, don't wait. Don't wait a week, a month, a year to contact us. Contact us right away. Let us tell you off the bat what your options are, what your legal options are, what kind of compensation you are potentially uh, entitled to. If you don't do that, you are at risk of losing out on that money. And you know the insurance companies are going to love nothing more than not having to write you a check for the money that you deserve. And James, James, you have something about yeah, that. It's been almost two years. Savan says he hasn't been cut off. You yeah. know it's coming. Yeah, the, the big issue here, though, um, as Savan was talking about, is starting the claim within no. the two years. The accident was January 21st. It's less than two weeks away. Um, what you really need is information about the other driver involved. You need that in order to start a claim. So right away, the first thing to do is to try and get a copy of the police report if he doesn't have it already, because that's going to be a necessary first step to start the claim. You have to name someone yeah, as a defendant. Exactly. So you know that it's really important that you leave enough time to do these things before the two years is up. Um, it's pushed right up against the wire right now, so it's possible that we could still get it done, but you really don't want to wait till the last minute to do it. And once that two years is done... It's done. Well, listen. Basically. It it can be. There are ways around it, but you don't want to test them. Right. You really don't want to have to test them. If you've missed the two-year limitation mark, doesn't mean that you can't do anything. Call us. But it does make it a lot tougher. one 9646 The number help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more on the way. Your questions and emails as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 one 9646 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Get a hold of Savannah and his team, James, anytime. Uh, a little more week that was, and we'll get some questions and emails. Go ahead, brother. One more car accident uh, that I want to talk about, uh, car accident case. And this is a lady who contacted us who had an accident back in November of 2016. Now, luckily, she did hire a law firm, and it was both her and her sister. Now, the lady who contacted us was a passenger in the car that her sister was driving at the time of the accident. And there appears to be an issue now as to who was at fault, the other driver or this lady's sister. Now, here's the issue here in this case. And again, we're dealing with uh, significant injuries. This lady walks with a cane now. I'm not going to, sorry, with a cane. I'm not going to go into the details of the accident per se here. I'm just going to tell you that this lady contacted us because uh, the main issue is now it came to light that there may be a problem with the the same law firm representing her and her sister who was the driver. So again, let's unpack the situation. If you're in an accident and you were a passenger and the car you were in was being driven by your friend, your wife, your husband, whoever it is, and there is a collision with another vehicle and there is an issue here potentially of who's at fault. Maybe it's a 50-50, maybe it's a 75-25 fault apportionment. Who knows? The point is this. The passenger may have a legal claim against the driver. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive, and yeah. John, we, you and I have gone through this before talking about this. People don't understand that, you know, if you are in a vehicle and you're a passenger and you're injured, it doesn't matter that the person who was driving is your wife or your husband or your friend. The point is that if you have a legal claim against them for your injuries, it's the insurance company that ends up responding here who ends up paying 
the claim. Yeah, it ain't personal. It, it, it ain't, no, exactly. Right? It's not personal, yeah. absolutely. And in fact, if you, it, you know, in many instances, if you don't make that claim against the driver of your vehicle, you are potentially leaving a lot of money on the table because the insurance company that would be responding on behalf of your husband, your friend, whoever, is not at the table to offer you money to settle right. your claim. So what's happened in this case here is that they've now realized that the same law firm cannot represent the sister and the the the, the, uh, the passenger. Exactly, the passenger. So what happens? Well, so the problem now is that we, we're going to be handling her claim, but who knows what information was passed through between the lawyers? Who knows what prejudice yeah. has already been caused? I'm not even talking about the potential delays that are going to happen now in the file. So, you know, if you're in a situation where, again, you or someone you know uh, have been in a car accident and the same law firm, the same lawyer is telling you, listen, I want to make sure that I have, you know, I'm representing all of you because I can protect all of your interests. That's not always the best way to go about these things. So, you know, if you are hesitant, if, if, if you think that, you know, you potentially may need another lawyer, if your friend potentially may need another lawyer, ask questions of the lawyer that's offering to represent all of you. Make sure there are no conflicts. And by the way, sometimes there are no conflicts. Sometimes uh, there may be a conflict, but you want to waive it. The point is, it has to be discussed with you. Make sure you give us a call if that kind of thing happened to you. Uh, and if you are concerned about that in terms of you know your lawyer having loyalty to you, but that being conflicted with loyalty to someone else. It's mm-hmm. no different, by the way, than a real estate agent yeah. that is representing buyer both the, the buyer and the seller. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you have to be very careful with that. Yeah. The other thing that you really should keep in mind is that liability isn't an all or nothing proposition in a lot of cases. So for example, you know, you can be hit by a, you know, a car being driven by a drunk driver. And, you know, clearly the drunk driver is going to be mostly responsible in almost all cases. But if at the same time you're speeding and, you know, making a left-hand turn without, you know, making sure that it's safe, you're going to be on the hook too. So more than one person can be responsible. And even if, you know, the other person was charged, even if you think that they're going to be at fault, doesn't mean for sure that the driver of your car isn't also going to be partially at fault. one 990 So, uh, you know, kind of on that note, talking about car accidents for the last couple of segments here, if the police doesn't charge anyone in the car accident, does that mean no one's at fault for the accident? No, no, that does not mean that at all. And in fact, many people are concerned when they're in an accident and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, the, it, it's obvious that it's the other driver's fault, but the police, yep. for whatever reason, did not charge the other driver. No, I mean, those are two distinct things. Uh, fault from a civil liability context means that we are looking at all the facts, we're talking with whoever was involved in the accident, and we are trying to figure out, at the end of the day, civilly, what a judge or a jury would determine in terms of who is at fault here. Now, that's not to say that if the other driver was charged, that that would not be helpful to you. It would be helpful. In fact, we love it. We love it whenever we have a situation where, uh, you know, the person comes to us and we see the police report and the police report states that the other driver was charged. Mm -hmm. But remember, maybe the other driver is going to challenge that uh, Highway Traffic Act conviction, if that's what it is. You know, maybe they'll get off. Even if they don't, it doesn't mean that there is no case. In fact, many times the police is not even called to the scene. So, you know, whether a person is charged or not, that's not determinative of liability. The reverse is also true. So if you were charged in an accident, you've been injured, but you feel like the other person might be at fault, Mm -hmm. either fully or even just partially, the fact that you were charged, even if you were convicted, 
it doesn't mean that you can't bring a civil claim. Remember, a lot of times what happens is, you know, people will get charged at the scene and, you know, they'll go to court with the intention of fighting it and the uh, the Crown will offer them a reduced sentence yep. and uh, or a reduced, uh, a reduced fine and they'll take it for a guilty plea. That doesn't mean that they've actually done the thing that uh, the Crown says that they've done right. or the police say that they've done. So you can still challenge it. Um, that's really the point. What happens in the criminal or quasi-criminal um, case doesn't determine what happens in the civil case. We'll bounce over to some of your emails after a short break. The email address is help at the insurance lawyer.ca. We'll also talk about the injury calculator and the phone number, of course, one 990 It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646. is help at the insurance lawyer.ca. The email address that Brian used, for instance, says, uh, my wife was in a car crash a month ago and she's still in the ICU. Her friend fell asleep at the wheel and the car flipped several times. My wife has a skull fracture and a traumatic brain injury. We've been approached by several lawyers at the hospital, which is disgusting. Uh, can we have both of you represent her? What do we do now? She's 42 and I'm still in shock. So, Brian, certainly uh, Savannah and I would be more than willing to uh, represent your wife in these circumstances. Um, we have worked together on many cases in the past and it's uh, it's really helpful to have both minds working on it. One thing I do want to address in this email is um, this issue of lawyers at hospitals trying to sign up patients. And I, I couldn't agree more with what Brian says. It is disgusting. Illegal? Um, well, it's really unethical. Right. Um, and, you know, depending on what they're actually doing, it can be. But the point of it really is um, it's something that gives lawyers a very bad name. And lawyers, you know, to begin with, people have a negative outlook on lawyers. And I think it's really unfair in most cases. Um, it's something, you know, I, as a lawyer, I take a lot of pride in my work. Uh, I've worked very hard to get where I am, and I take it quite seriously. And it's why, when, you know, I have a good sense of humor most of the time. I don't for lawyer jokes. I really don't. Um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, someone will, you know, make a joke and everyone will pile on because that's just what you do because everyone likes to pile on lawyers. But the reality is, you know, I work very hard at my job and I help a lot of people. And, you know, that's what my focus is. So when there are people out there in hospitals, you know, trying to sign up clients when they're very vulnerable, that bothers me because people should be legitimately disgusted by that kind of behavior. And that reflects badly on the entire profession. So, you know, I really wanted to address that point there. Um, just to touch on the other issues in Brian's specific case, um, you know, certainly there are things that we would want to do right away. We would want to start an accident benefits claim as quickly as possible um, so that any medical and rehabilitation treatment can be started ASAP. We would also look at getting a case manager to make sure that uh, all of the treatment recommendations from all different specialties, medical specialties, are being addressed and are scheduled in a proper way. I mean, that's that's absolutely crucial. I agree with everything that James said. And also in, in, in Brian's case, uh, w with his wife's, uh, you know, catastrophic injuries, we need to understand a bit more about the accident itself because obviously other than the accident benefits claim, we're going to be starting a claim against whoever was at fault for the accident, whoever caused this. Right. And, you know, it's not unusual for a case like this. Again, every case has to be decided on its facts, uh, <clears throat> uh, facts. But, you know, it's not unusual for a case like this, catastrophic, to have a value in the millions of dollars because, you know, who knows how much uh, treatment she's going to need now going forward. Who knows uh, whether she's going to be able to go back to work at any point in the future and what about all the care that she's going to need. So there's going to be that accident benefits claim, which, which is huge, but there's going to be also a lot of work 
that has to be done with respect to the other claim against whoever was at fault with respect to their insurance company. Uh, now, I also want to touch on the point of lawyers being in hospitals. This is something that has been plaguing this profession. And I will be even more bold than James here and say that if you're in that situation uh, or you know someone who's been in that situation where you've been in a hospital and you've been approached by someone who's giving you the card of a lawyer, as far as I'm concerned, you should be calling the law society. You should be calling law society and, and saying this is what's happened. This is, listen, for someone to just be carrying a card from a law firm and striking up conversation yeah, with right. a relative. Can it happen? Sure. I mean, you know, it's conceivable, but knowing a little convenient. that this is, I just, you know what? No ethical lawyer. And here's the other thing. If the lawyer is doing something like this, if the law firm is engaged in this kind of a practice, what else are they doing? Yeah, right. You know, that, that, that is really, you know, uh, not, not kosher, not legit here. You have to be very, very careful. And we talked about this as well before that insurance companies know law firms. They know the lawyers in the profession. And, you know, reputations are extremely important here. And if you end up signing up with a law firm that has a poor reputation or reputation that is damaged in the eyes of insurance companies, it doesn't matter how legitimate your claim is, you're going to have issues with that insurance company. So you have to be extremely careful in terms of who you or whoever it is that uh, you know you're looking out for uh, is is being represented by. This is this is something that is unfortunately has been a big big problem in our profession. You guys mentioned catastrophic cases. So is there someone that you that you hire for these people to help them manage the treatments? Yeah, sure. I was just talking about the, the case manager. So a case manager is someone that you get to choose. There's someone with a, they're a medical professional. And their role is essentially to be the liaison between the doctors and the lawyer and the insurance company to make sure that all of the treatment being recommended is implemented and it's done and scheduled in a way that makes sense and that is paid for. So they're you know, well experienced with people with catastrophic injuries um, and they know how to speak with doctors and with lawyers and with insurance companies which is really um, critical. And the other point is, even though you get to choose them, the insurance company has to pay for it. They're not employed by the insurance company. They just have to pay their invoices. Oh, wow. Did not know that. Yeah. So that's a really critical distinction. It's not someone who is um, out to, looking out for the insurance company's interest. They're looking out for yours, but the insurance company has to pay for it. one 990 The number help We'll get to more of your emails after a short break, and we'll get right back into the injury calculator after said break as well, right here in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 is the number. Get a hold of Savannah and the, uh, the crew anytime. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. I mentioned it, so Savannah, let's get into it. The injury calculator. Love this thing. Yeah, it's a fantastic tool, and it's been around for a few years. It's been used, I can tell you, thousands of times for, across Ontario. And what it is, is it allows you to uh, figure out or get a starting point, an idea of what your pain and suffering could be worth value-wise uh, if you're in an accident uh, through no fault of your own. So, you know, what it is, is if you go on it, injurycalculator.ca, uh, you will uh, key in a few key pieces of information, such as where the accident happened, when it happened, the kind of injury you suffered. It's going to take you literally 20, 25 seconds at most to fill in the information, and it's primarily drop-down menus. And what it does then, uh, it, it scans through a database of cases similar to yours, cases that have gone all the way to court where judges have said, this is what the individual is entitled to for pain and suffering. So if you suffered an ankle fracture and you needed surgery, for example, again, 
it's going to scan through uh, cases with people who have had uh, ankle fractures that have gone all the way to trial. And here's what judges have said. And so what happens at the end is you get a range in this database. It tells you for ankle fractures, you can expect to get, uh, let's say, thirty to $40,000. I don't know what the precise amount mm-hmm. is, but it's going to give you that, that actual range, which is based on the database of cases, actual cases from across the country that we have put into this calculator. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's anonymous. So if that's all you wanted to know, you were just curious about how much money you could potentially be entitled to for your pain and suffering, uh, then that's the end of the exercise. But if you want to contact us afterwards and you want to have a more in-depth discussion with us about the other types of damages, such as income loss, out-of-pocket expenses, perhaps your family has been taking care of you, or you've been taking care of someone with an injury in your family and you want to know what you could potentially be entitled to under the law, you can just hit the submit button once you get that result, and then we get the email and we start a conversation. But there's no cost to this. It's online. It's free. It's extremely easy. It's user-friendly. No reason not to use it. And again, if you know someone who this may be useful for, perhaps not for you, but you know someone who's been in an accident, you know, something happened, they broke their knee, whatever, you want to know how much potentially they're entitled to for pain and suffering, use that tool, tell them about it. It's free. There's no reason not to use it. And I think, James, the important part that Savant said there was that this is just this is just pain and suffering. That could be a very small component, although 30, 40 grand is a good chunk of change. There could be a lot more to that that you can't simply do an online calculator for, right? So people should be aware of that for sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's income loss claims. Yep. There's claims for medical and rehabilitation expenses, out-of-pocket expenses, pension loss, so on and so forth. There's any number of different things that you might claim for, depending on the circumstances of your case, this tool is just looking at your pain and suffering. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is email. Leslie says, my aunt slipped on ice in December, or aunt, if you're listening in the States, uh, near her son's school. There was a ton of black ice there. She broke her back, vertebrae fracture, and she's in the hospital. What should she do now legally? So the very first thing that you need to be concerned about is giving notice to the municipality where this happened. Um, I recognize that uh, Leslie writes that her aunt slipped in December. So in the circumstances, you know, we're past the 10-day notice period. That doesn't mean that you just give up and don't send in the notice. You want to send it in today. So if you don't know how to do it, you give us a call. It's really straightforward. We can help you with it. Not a problem. But you need to do it as quickly as possible. There is the Municipal Act in Ontario, and that requires everyone who has a claim against a municipality to give notice of that claim within 10 days if it happens on municipal property. Um, If you miss that window, you can be out of luck, but there are certainly circumstances where the courts will um, elongate the notice time depending on the circumstances, but the longer you wait, the harder it gets. So the courts are going to take a look at it. There'll be um, you know, a challenge for sure if you're beyond the 10-day uh, notice period, but that doesn't mean you can't be successful. So that's step number one. Um, step number two is starting a legal claim. So you, once you determine who actually owns the land, you're going to bring a claim against the landowner. And if the landowner has leased it to someone else, you'll bring a claim against them as well. And if there was a uh, contractor hired for winter maintenance, you're going to name them as well. Or subcontractor. Whoever yeah, it is. Yeah. Whoever whoever was involved in maintaining this particular area where your aunt fell, that's who you're going to name. And then step three, um, as the legal process is going on, is continue with treatment. Um, and as part of that, and as part of a legal claim, uh, what we typically will do is we send our clients to see a medical legal expert to provide an opinion that can form the foundation of the legal claim. 
but it also has a very positive effect for our clients um, in their treatment. Even though the doctors we send them to aren't providing treatment per se, what they are doing is they're providing an assessment, they're providing um, so a diagnosis and a prognosis with a treatment plan. So what's going to be necessary in order to address any issues that they're having. That report, we give a copy of that to our client, we give it to their family doctor, and the idea is that the recommendations are then implemented by their own treating doctors, and that can be really useful. Going to be talking about dealing with the insurance company moving forward when you have that type of catastrophic uh, injury or otherwise, that is is just ahead. In the meantime, the email address is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. It is injurycalculator.ca, which we just talked about, and the phone number anytime, one 990 This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 the number to get hold of Savannah and the team, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Before, uh, before we get into dealing with the insurance company. Uh, as far as your family is concerned, you want to talk about something we talked about in the last segment with uh, with James, right? That's right. It's just an email that James went through uh, from Leslie about her aunt who yeah. slipped on ice in December and broke her back, a vertebrae fracture. This is one of those cases where, again, you can go to the calculator and the calculator can tell you that you're entitled to, I don't know, let's say $140,000 for your pain and suffering. But this can be a situation, an easy situation, where you, know, you just imagine that this lady is not going to be potentially paralyzed for life. And, you know, from a, a future rehab or accommodations at home uh, in terms of the stuff that they may need to do to make sure that she's able to live at home independently, you could be looking at hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of compensation that she's entitled to. And we've talked about, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, John, about how you can have an injury that's worth X amount, but the other types of damages that the person is now going to be entitled to can be dwarfing the pain and suffering component of the claim. So again, very, very important. And I say this because, again, having worked on the defense side, I've settled many cases for insurance companies where the lawyers representing the injured people were shortchanging their clients. And I think most of the time it's because they simply didn't realize that they were doing that. So I had cases where I would be paying out or my client would be paying out $50,000 to settle a claim that was actually worth $250,000. You don't want to be in that situation. And the reality is you're not going to know that you're in that situation, right? Because how would you know if the lawyer is getting you the right settlement unless they're explaining everything to you and unless you understand exactly what is happening with your claim? You have to be very careful who is representing you uh, and, and whether or not they are not only competent but have the experience uh, to maximize the compensation that you're owed. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. So, look, when a person's seriously injured, often the family and the person are focused on the medical recovery, uh, financial issues, dealing with the insurance company, uh, very taxing. So, do you guys take over that once you're hired? Uh, yes, we do. We we're, we absolutely take over. And in fact, uh, once we take over that, once we represent the individual, uh, the insurance company is actually not allowed to speak with the person. Nice. So just imagine if you are dealing with a, an injury or if you're dealing with, with a long-term disability claim, you know, part of the stress, in fact, a huge part of the stress and the issues that you're experiencing in terms of trying to get better is having to deal with this insurance company that you feel like it's victimizing you all over again, right? You're injured or you're disabled, you're trying to get better, and here you're dealing with an adjuster who potentially is not sympathetic uh, and and perhaps even bullying you. Wants more documents, phone calls. Exactly. Once we get into the picture, we are that buffer. We are the ones the insurance company has to deal with. So you can focus on getting better. Your family can focus on helping you recover. Let us do all the work. It's a huge, huge benefit, and it's a huge relief for families when we get involved. 
Email is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Uh, this email from Jillian says, I've been on long-term disability for sciatica and chronic back pain. I've got a chronic pain doctor and a neurologist that both say I can't work, but my insurer said that they disagree with my doctors and will cut me off at the end of February. What can I do? What do I do? Well, the first thing is you listen to your doctors. Right. They have medical degrees. They're looking out for your health and your best interest. The adjuster at the insurance company has zero medical expertise and a mandate to cut you off as soon as possible. So it's no contest who you should be listening to as to whether or not you should be going back to work. Now, from a practical standpoint, your insurer has already told you that they're going to cut you off in February. So what can you do? Well, you can actually start a claim now. If they've told you at this point that they're going to be cutting you off in February, you can start the claim now. That's called anticipatory breach. So they are telling you that they're going to breach the contract of insurance, Mm -hmm. that policy that you have in February. Start the claim now. The sooner you start it, the sooner you resolve it. Let's talk about appeals in uh, long-term disability. I know that you say that it, you know, it's useless to appeal, but the upside, if they appeal, is that they don't antagonize the insurer by harming you. Isn't that right? All right, Alex, I'd like to take faulty premises for $300, <laughs> nice. please. Let's say someone breaks into your house and steals cash or jewelry. Should you be worried about antagonizing the thief by calling the police? This is exactly what we're talking about here. The insurance company is literally stealing money from you, money that you're entitled to under the policy. They're taking from you. So I'm not sure why you're worried about antagonizing them. Also, if you're appealing to your insurance company, that means your insurer has already cut you off or denied your claim. If you're worried at that point about antagonizing the insurance company, then you might as well just give up, which incidentally is functionally what you're doing when you submit to the appeal process. You're giving up. It's not going to go anywhere. It's controlled entirely by them, and they've already told you what they're going to do with it. And if you think that appealing to them and asking them, pretty please reconsider, if you think that's going to change their minds, you're kidding yourself. It's giving up. You need to start a legal claim. That's the only way they're going to pay attention. You can't be worried about antagonizing when they've already cut you off. And they'll do it more than once. Yeah. And again. And again. And you know what? So not only do I agree with what James says, but, you know, people listening right now, I can already see some faces in my mind's eye uh, thinking, okay, well, you guys, this is in your interest to say this. It's in your interest to, to you know, dump on the insurance companies and tell right. people to contact you and do this and this. Yeah, it is in our interest. Absolutely. One of the reasons we're having this show, there is a business element. Absolutely. We're, we're giving a lot of information, but absolutely we're asking people to contact us because we think we can help them. But, you know, to say that we are saying these things... And we are dumping on insurance companies and we're giving this advice simply because it is in our interest to do. And that's the only reason. That's like saying that your your, your doctor is telling you you need surgery because they're going to get OHIP to pay them for that surgery. Trust me when I tell you to everyone listening out there that we are fairly busy as a firm. We are growing as a firm. And one of the reasons we're doing that is not simply because of people listening to us on the radio, on TV, and coming to us, but because of other people that we've helped Mm -hmm. who have told their friends and their family members. If you want to test the premise that James just outlined, meaning that these appeals are useless, go ahead and do it. You do it at your own peril. And we've seen many times people contacting us uh, after having been rejected once, twice, three times, etc. And by the way, in some of those instances, people have missed the limitation periods yeah. to start claims, which is, again, one of the you know, problems in this whole process is that people are being dragged through a process that has virtually no end, that is controlled slowly by the insurance companies, and then at the end, 
They're looking at all of this cynically and saying, why should I contact you guys? How are you guys any better than the insurance Mm -hmm. company? Well, because our job is to fight the insurance companies. And we are telling you that you have a lot more power than you think you do. And that is this this big thing that this this uh, uh, thing that 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 you know people don't really realize that uh, it, you have this power. And you used insurance, to work on the other side, so I you did. Know. I did. I'm right. telling you, how many times insurance companies, when we got claims through the door, and I would be tasked with defending them, their instructions to me were find a way to resolve the case. They didn't tell me fight it. They said resolve the case. Okay, that, that's what we're trying to tell you. You have, you have these rights. You just need to know how to exercise them. And this is why we're telling people to call us. We will give you that information. If you want to then take action and actually have us fight for you, by all means, we'll do it. If you don't, that's great. As long as now you are making an informed decision on how you want to proceed with your case. one 990 is that number. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, injury calculator. Find out what the pain and suffering component of the claim should be. Injurycalculator.ca. We'll bounce over to another email. After a short break in the insurance and injury law show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The number is one 990 Email is help at the insurance lawyer.ca here in the insurance and injury law show. An email from Stan says, uh, my wife's uh, decided to stop fighting with her long-term disability adjuster because her adjuster is very condescending and a bully. They cut her off last September, even though her doctors say that she still can't work because of her severe depression. Even her psychiatrist said that she may need to be hospitalized. So it's uh, it's really serious. I'm uh, I'm very sick too, so I can't deal with this adjuster. I don't know what to do. The answer is pretty straightforward. Okay. You give us a call and we start a legal claim. What happens then? First of all, you don't have to deal with this bully adjuster anymore. That's just out of your life, and that's a significant amount of stress, particularly if you're dealing with your own issues as well. But number two, and most critically, what this does on the insurance side is it moves it from the adjuster, which is the claims department, over to the legal department, and they have very different mandates. The claims department, their mandate is to get rid of as many claims as possible. All they want to do is cut you off or deny your benefits. That is their mandate. Once you bring a legal claim, it moves to the legal department, and their mandate is to pay out the claim as quickly as possible and try and get a settlement. So it, it winds up in different hands, and the result is going to be very favorable to you. Um, and you know, the other huge benefit, of course, is you're not going to have to deal with the insurance company anymore. We'll do that. Uh, I, I should also mention, uh, John, is that both James and I, uh, when we practice um, and, and represent our clients, you know, we do this in a very professional manner. And, you know, the way that we deal with adjusters is professional, right? I mean, we're, we're taking emotion out of it in order to maximize, uh, you know, the, the, the value of the claim uh, by just applying logic, uh, by, by applying the law, by applying our skill. But I, I will tell you this. There's a caveat here. When we are dealing with an adjuster that thinks that they are God, by the way, that applies to lawyers too, we change. We change very quickly. And both of us have had situations where, you know, when the other side is being unprofessional, we won't be unprofessional ourselves, but they're going to be very sorry. They're going to be sorry because it's not going to get them what they want. We're going to become very difficult uh, in dealing with. And, and that's not the way, that's not the default way that we do things. And, and, you know, generally speaking in the industry, the other thing to consider is this. You know, it's not like what you see on TV. The majority of lawyers out there that do what we do actually are very cordial and are very professional. And by the way, that applies also to adjusters. But you do have bad apples, both from an adjuster standpoint and a lawyer standpoint. But I can tell you this. 
Don't think for one second that if you are dealing with a bully adjuster, that that adjuster is going to get away with doing that with us. Again, one of the reasons why you should be giving us a call is because we can tell you what the options are. And, you know, once we come into the picture, I can tell you the picture will change. The insurance company will change their tune. You're not going to have to deal with it. And as James said, you can focus on recovering and we will focus on getting you the compensation you deserve. What I always find is pretty amazing is that the moment that we get involved, these bully adjusters all of a sudden change their tune. Um, all of a sudden, they're not so strident. They're not so confident that they're right, particularly you know, if we start showing them some of the things that they've done that are completely inappropriate. We don't even have to put it to them in an aggressive way. We just let them know that we're aware of it, and all of a sudden, their tune changes pretty quickly. So uh, about long-term disability, I mean, what happens to the claim if someone's on LTD and they lose their job? Is it affected by a layoff or firing? That's a very good question, and we get that a lot. So first of all, uh, you know, as people know, we have employment lawyers at our firm. And so if you've lost your job, whether you're in, you're in disability or not, you should be contacting us. We can tell you what your severance entitlements are. Yep. But, you know, what happens if you are an LTD? Clearly, people are concerned. Well, I just lost my job. Is my LTD going to get cut off? No, the answer is no. Policies out there, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, criteria is, are you totally disabled? And, and so long as you've met that criteria and you've been approved for LTD, or by the way, even if you've been denied, but you had coverage during that time, meaning you were still employed, then it will not get affected. But here's what you do need to realize. The insurance company, the LTD insurer, is entitled to a deduction for income. What does that mean? It means that if you are let go from your job and you get severance, the insurance company is entitled to get a credit for that severance. But again, as we've talked before, if they let you go while you're in disability, they're potentially breaching your human rights, which means that your severance potentially could be negotiated in such a way that there is an allocation, some of it to actual severance. Because they can't touch the human rights damages. Exactly. And some of it is by way of human rights damages, which is something the insurance company cannot get a credit for. So again, it's very technical stuff, but the long and short of it is that if you're in that situation, you've been let go while on LTD, give us a call. Don't just deal with the employer. Don't just accept whatever severance they've given you because you could be shortchanging yourself, not only in terms of the severance, but in terms of what the insurance company is going to say we are entitled to. So you could actually you know, get the short, end of, the short end of the stick twice, both from your employer and your insurance company. Fightformyltd.com. Wrap it up this week for that, Savannah. Fantastic tool. Also uh, an online website uh, tool that we've created a few years back, been used a lot. Very, very simple to use. If you have been denied LTD or if you have been uh, cut off LTD and you want to know if you have a case and you don't want to call or you don't want to email us for whatever reason, go on that website. There are five basic questions on the right side of the screen. Answer those questions. It'll take you about 10 seconds, 15 max. Click submit. I'll get that uh, submission and I will tell you if you have a case. Sometimes we need some more information, uh, but generally speaking, those five questions will give me enough information to go on to tell you if you have a case, if you have legal rights that you can enforce against the insurance companies. And again, it's been used a lot. It's anonymous. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't want to hit the submit button, I will never know that you are on that website. Uh, But if you want to get free advice, you're in that situation, why not do so? Why not be informed? Fightformyltd.com is the one. If you haven't used it, we talked about it earlier as well. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. That is injurycalculator.ca. And the phone number, one 9646 and help at the Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.